You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. We are so glad to be here. Our friends at Armstrong's were here last week, and they completely love the fellowship. They love you guys and love Phil, and we love Phil and Leslie as well. But just want to share a little bit uh, about the church in Syracuse. First of all, the church in Syracuse is so grateful for all of you. Yeah. For any of your prayers, for your love, for your generosity, when you give your special offering, Syracuse actually is able to partake in that so that my wife and I can be there and the church can have full-time leadership. They're grateful and we're very grateful to be there. It is good to be in Syracuse. We love them. We're very encouraged by them. We're trying to encourage them, but I think they're encouraging us even more. We're trying to teach them, but I think they're teaching us even more as we get to know them. And it's a great place to preach and build family uh, with my wife. The church in Syracuse has had a number of challenges over the past, especially 10 years. Uh, Just a few of the challenges. They have not baptized a single man in 10 years. They hadn't seen a couple come to Christ in 10 years, maybe more. No small groups. They don't have family group or house church. Your brother Phil was sharing about the family group yesterday and the big meal they have. No family groups, no small groups. Very few move-ins, but lots of people move out. No hope worldwide in Syracuse. None of that going on in the last 10 years. Very very small church. Half the church is campus, and pretty much all the campus students, when they graduate, they leave. Last year, my wife and I have been there a year and a half, and over the last year and a half, uh, nine students have moved out, and we got two more on their way out over the next couple of months. So there have been some challenges, but we've seen God do amazing things. People don't generally move to Syracuse, but over the past six months, we've had five move-ins. We've had an older sister move in from Connecticut, Grandma Phyllis. She's every child's grandma and just incredibly encouraging. And, you know, it's one of those sisters, you know, those brothers and sisters, like when you're singing and people start saying, oh, now it's going to be the sopranos and the altos and the tenors and the basses. If you're like me, you're like, I don't know which one I am. I'll, I'll try and sing the alto part until I see it's all the women, and then I'll be quiet. She's one of those sisters, like, sings like, she's like my wife. She's like an angel. She knows, oh, I can sing the alto and the ten. I can teach the brothers the bass part. Just great to have, <laughs> great to have Grandma Phyllis there. We've had two brothers move in, uh, uh, a brother named uh, David who just moved in. He graduated from Rutgers. He's going to be a nurse, has injected life and faith and energy in our young, young men there, and that's been incredible. And uh, a brother named Tim Lindsay, who was actually in Queens, uh, is now in the military, and he's just on fire for God and encouraging all the brothers and the sisters. Great to have them there. But not only that, last November, Syracuse became the 101st Hope Worldwide chapter. And we've had several events. We're excited about that. We have not only one family group, but now we have four family groups in Syracuse and one family group in Watertown. So please be praying for those groups. We've seen seven campus baptisms in the last year and a half. We've also seen the first single man baptized in Syracuse in 10 years. And we've seen a a married couple come to Christ. The man was baptized and his wife was restored. My wife is going to share a little bit about that story because it's very special to us. But clearly God has been moving and we are very grateful to be there. So I don't know if this thing keeps falling down or what. What? I needed it that low. You're fine, babe. You're amazing. So it was really cool when... um, Phil started reading Acts 28 because it's just kind of dear to our hearts. My husband and I became Christians, like he said, while we were in the army in Naples, Italy, and we lived in Pudioli. We lived right near the bay. And when we became disciples and started eagerly reading the Bible, my husband's like, 
this city is in the Bible. Like, we need to go there and baptize people there, you know. And so we would have devotionals down by the bay, and there's actually, like, plaques that says Paul landed here. And I mean, it's just so cool. Um, But one of the stories I want to share with you is um, about a woman named Kelly. Um, She was baptized in Italy, I think it was 2000 or 01. I think it was 01. Um, And um, her and her husband were baptized, and they have um, two children but um, they, were in, they were in the Navy. She was married to um, Scott, who was in the Navy. They moved um, and, you know, got transitioned, as you do in the military. And some of those transitions didn't go very well for them. And at some point, they actually got divorced. And it was very tragic um, for their family. It, it, was, it was devastating for her. Um, but, def- you know, there was friends that had been really faithful and, and stuck in there and hung in there with her. Anyway, a lot of time had passed, many years had passed, and we are moving to Syracuse 2015, and JC posts something on Facebook, as you do, and um, Kelly messages me this long novel, and she says, are you really coming to Syracuse? Like, I'm here. And, and she's telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, it's a whirlwind of stuff that's happened in 14 years. And um, so when we get there, we're, we're transitioning. We're trying to get accustomed to four feet of snow and all that <laughs> stuff. And um, we get there, and Kelly comes to church, and she's married to somebody else, has a third child. And, um, you know, she looked really just hopeless. Um, but she came um, basically out of a camaraderie and a friendship we had um, in the Naples church in Italy. Anyway, she came. We got to meet her husband. Her husband reaches out to JC's, like studied with him for months, got with him, getting advice. Kelly drops off. She didn't want anything to do with me. She's not really responding. I'm like, okay, she's not ready. And um, But then something really, really bad happened, and um, she almost took her life. And um, she called me and was very eager. Um, you know, she just went through a lot of things, and she was like, that is it. I, I really need God. There is nowhere else that can fill the hole in my heart. And um, she, we studied, and she eagerly was just, she was repenting. Everyone could tell. She was getting with everybody. It was just incredible to see her repentance. Um, and Kelly got restored Mother's Day weekend. And her husband got baptized. So it was just such a victory to see her come back and re- reconcile with um, different relationships she had in the church, reconcile with God, reconcile with her husband. I mean, it's been incredible to see someone that we helped so many years ago, see how, you know, different things happen. And, and her message was just, there's just no other place but in this fellowship and with God, ultimately. So. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Uh, Phil told me that you guys have been going through the, um, uh, the Beatitudes, and so I listened to all the messages. I listened to Phil's first message on spiritual poverty, and I listened to Roland preach there. I'm assuming you're Roland because I saw a picture that I think was you, or maybe I, maybe I looked for who's Roland. Yeah, I was looking for Roland on Facebook. I don't know who it was. Maybe your picture was on there. I don't know, brother. But um, <laughs> you creep around like, who is that brother? I've heard of him before. Let me stick that in there. Roland preaching about uh, mourning, and then I listened to uh, Phil's lesson last week about being a, a meek geek or being a geek for meek. I don't know what it was. It was a, was that? Freak. A freak meek. Yeah, it, it all rhymed together. It was really, really good. Uh, but it was incredible, and I'm just so excited to be preaching uh, here on the same subject today. What a great group of verses 
to preach from, the Beatitudes, what, what it takes, what it looks like to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. This is what you're like. And if you read uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 3 through 12 there, you see it's like a progression. Like, like you have to be uh, really understanding of your spiritual poverty. Like I can't do this. I, I have weaknesses. I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't be as much like God as I should be. And then you mourn about that. It's not good. It's not good not to be who God has made me to be. Why, why can't I be more like that? And then you, you, you develop this meekness. God, I'll be whatever you need me to be, whatever you want me to be. I don't need to be who I was. I need to be who you want me to be. And then you get here in my, in my thinking of this progression where you're like, I'll be whatever you wanted me to be. Fill me up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Fill me up, God. Who I was is not enough. I need to be who you want me to be. And this is Jesus moving us there in the Beatitudes. It is great to be with uh, Phil and Leslie. I'm trying to figure out how Phil handles the wind here, but I'm doing all right. I'm going to be fine. Um, Great to be with Phil and Leslie. Uh, So appropriate that we're going to talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness because every time that we are with Phil and Leslie, we find ourselves around food. I don't, that, yeah, if you're with Christians, you need to eat with them all the time, right? Breaking bread and fellowship and prayer. We do a lot of praying as well. I was praying for Phil's phone last night. Um, and, and it's so appropriate, but, you know, when I think about food and Phil, I think, man, Phil has really changed his relationship with food. Have you noticed, like, Phil, like, I'll see him, like, brother, your clothes are getting so baggy. What are you, what are you doing? He's like the white vanilla ice. He's got baggy clothes. I don't know. So, and in his late 30s as well to be able to do that. You're in your late 30s, right, Phil? Yeah? All right. What, what a great example. And I, I'm really encouraged because I've gotten to know Phil here, but I'm on a similar journey. Like uh, over, the past, uh, over the past six or seven months, I've really changed my eating and started exercising. My wife and I are running a half marathon in September, uh, which is great. But I've had to change my diet. A lot. I was actually telling Mark yesterday that when I grew up in South Georgia, my grandpa had a two-acre garden, two acres of these beautiful fresh vegetables, peas and corn and all that stuff. But I've told my wife, we had all these fresh vegetables, but all we did was fry it and put butter on it. And if we didn't fry it and put butter on it, we, we cooked it in a big pot with some ham hocks. We figured out it was green, but we just put buttery fat stuff all in it and that's I'm from South Georgia that's that's how we did it you know you think about food like that though it's really hard to be truly satisfied and happy with your health when you're not eating right when you're not eating right oddly there's a company that really made a a big splash they were popular before but I'm not going to market for them but they made a big splash selling happy meals right you come and eat this meal and you're going to be happy you're going to be so your kids are going to be happy because we have these prizes that come with the meal. And so they suck your kids in, and they give you a prize that comes in a series of prizes. So your kids go see it and see their favorite cartoon character. Can we both go back next week? I just want to get one more. Can we get a happy meal? Can we get another happy meal? But I want to get, you know, my little pony, whatever the pink one is. I don't know. I remember in the, late, in the mid to late 80s, there were Transformers. And you could get Transformers in your happy meal, and they would actually transform just a little bit, but you had to go back every week to try because you wanted to get Bumblebee. Like, Bumblebee's always popular. I don't know, but you wanted to get Bumblebee. You know, happy meals are really a lesson for a lot of us. 
We, we'll keep eating food that doesn't really fill us up for prizes that don't really matter. We have to be careful not to live our life looking for just a happy meal, what the world offers us, but looking for the happiest meal. The happiest meal. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, the NIV says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The Good News translation says, Happy are those who great, whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. Amen. And the Message Bible says, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I got two points today, the happiest meal. Point number one, desire the right food. And point number two, the rewards are amazing. Desire the right food. Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed and will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Most of us in this room, I I won't say all of us, but most of us don't really understand hunger and thirst like they did in the first century. Like when you're thirsty in your house, you go to the tap and get some water. It might not be the coldest water or the best tasting water, but you get some and you wet your whistle, right? You don't have to go down to the well that's in the center of town and get your bucket out and get down in there and get the dipper out and bring water back for the rest. We don't really understand just the basics of what it was like to live in the first century. There wasn't a convenience store everywhere. If you didn't grow it or have money to buy it, you didn't eat it. So just day to day, they understood hunger better than we do. I don't pretend to know what that's like. But I will say this. Over the past six months, one of the things that I've done to try to help with my, with my weight and getting healthier is I've given up like breads and starches and sugars. And I'll tell you, when you do that, like you're just starting off, I can eat all the vegetables and fruits I want and lean meats and things like that. It, it's good. I'm not starving myself to death. But clearly, I'm not starving myself to death. <laughs> but when you stop eating like breads and starches and sugars, sometime around week three, you start getting these headaches like really bad. And I, like you'll, you'll go to Panera to meet that brother. But, and you, and you smell that freshly baked bread and, and your stomach just kind of starts to gnaw on your backbone. Like we need to get a slice of that, some whatever the cheesy bread is there from... You're hungry, right? You you want it. Thirsty. We don't we don't really know what it is to thirst. We we don't know what it goes through. I heard a I read a story about a boy. He was sent to bed by his father. Five minutes later, Dad. The dad said, "What?" The boy said, "I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water?" The dad says, as every good dad says, "No, you had your chance. Now turn the lights out." Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink of water? I told you no. And if you ask again, I'm going to have to spank you. Five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come in to spank me, can you bring me a drink of water? You want it, right? I know what the spank is going to be. It's the spoon, but I'm really thirsty. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 42 and verse 2, 
As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Hunger and thirst. So we have this primal desire in us, right? Hunger and thirst that we have to fulfill. But what are we supposed to fill it with? Jesus tells us we're supposed to fill it with righteousness. With God's righteousness. Not just God, but God's righteousness. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus goes on to say on the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who comes to me is going to get into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who did the will of my Father in heaven. You don't just need to know Jesus and know about God and who he is and how awesome he is. you got to actually want to be like him enough, be consumed by him enough with a desire to behave like he behaves, to be godly. Not just to know about God, but to know God, hunger and thirst. I just want to be, I want to know you, I want to be as much like you as I can. How do we get to that point spiritually where all we want, all we hunger and thirst for is the righteousness of God? Man, I wish I knew that answer. I wish I knew that answer every day of my life. We know exactly what we need to hunger and thirst for, and yet we reach for a Snickers bar because it was a great commercial, right? You got hangry, so reach for some sugary treats. There's not a commercial about you're angry, you're upset, you're hungry. Why don't you pray and try to be more like Jesus? Not a popular commercial that I've ever seen before. Something with Betty White that turns into a football player. I don't know. We reach for fast food, don't we? Not, not just Americans, a lot of people are reaching for fast food. We're, we're busting our buttons on fast food. Remember that Subway commercial where the guy's got the bur- burger and he sits down like, boom, the button pops off. Ah, oh, my eye. You had a burger or some fries or something. We're not filling ourselves with the right foods. We fill ourselves with bad foods. Why? Because it becomes a habit, doesn't it? When you, when you eat lots of sugary food and bread and pasta like we all, my wife and I lived in Italy. I know something about eating pasta and bread and sugar in my coffee and things filled with Nutella. Once you get a taste for that and someone says, oh, we're about to have some salad and salmon, it's going to be delicious and a nice fruit bowl. I thought you were Italian. I thought I was going to have pasta and something with Nutella in it. I didn't know. Once we get the taste for that, it's hard to desire the right food, isn't it? It's hard to desire the right food. For me, whether it's thinking about my weight or thinking about my spiritual life, you have to have a moment. Or you have to have a series of little moments where you realize that I am not eating the right foods. Whether that's literal food or spiritual food. I'm just... I've got lots of sugar and stuff in myself with things that aren't giving me the energy and the health, the happiness and the fulfillment that I know my body is meant to be and meant to have. That's the way God has made me. For me in January this year, I jumped on the scale and I had lost weight before, but I jumped on the scale in January after lots of travel over the last couple years. And, you know, you want to jump on the scale right after all the holidays, right? Let me see how I'm doing. 205 pounds. I know I look taller, but I'm really only 5'6". You can't carry that. 
And I thought, man, I've got to change this. I've got to get healthier, not, not just change the way I eat. I've got to change my life. I've got to do something different. Do, do you know what I really did? I realized that I'm in sin. That, that there's a poverty in my spirit that I'm not doing right's right bef- what's right before God. I'm not just overweight, but I'm in sin. My conscience is pricked fully. It's not right. And I mourned about it. I had a sadness about my condition, a sadness about my sin. And I said to myself, God, I'll do anything that it takes. I'll give up the pasta and the Nutella croissants that we have every, every holiday. I'll take the lowest place before you and change whatever needs to be changed so I can be the Christian and the man that you've meant for me to be. See where that comes from? That's the Beatitudes, right? We understand our poverty or spirit. We can't do it. We mourn about it. We mourn as God intended. And then we get meek. It sounds a lot like becoming a Christian, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like entering the kingdom of heaven. The happiest meal starts with a desire for the right foods. Don't we all hunger for that? I mean, you think about your physical life. Yeah, we want to be in great physical shape. You know, really, there's no physical spiritual life. It's all spiritual life. There's not like work life, spiritual life. It's all spiritual life. My spiritual life when I eat, my spiritual life when I work, my spiritual life with my family, my spiritual life when I come to church. It's all spiritual life. Don't we all really want to hunger and thirst for the right foods, for God's righteousness? I don't think we would be here this Sunday morning as beautiful as it is, looking and listening to me most of the time. I know you're looking at the water a little bit. If we didn't have a hunger and a thirst for God's righteousness... But that junk food is just so appealing. It's just so easy. God wants us to have right and fulfilling friendships with brothers or sisters, but of the opposite sex even. But there's impurity and jealousy and envy and some things for a momentary satisfaction that make me feel better in the moment. And it's hard to go after the right foods. God wants us to have righteous and fulfilling and loving relationships with our parents, teens. With our kids, parents. With our siblings. With our families. But we reach for the junk food of selfishness and pride and disobedience and rebelliousness just so we can satisfy ourselves in the short term and we can feel better. You know, just as unhealthy is when we trade in God's righteousness for our own righteousness. We, we trade in godliness for godlikeness so that we can pronounce judgment on all that's wrong in the world and everyone around me. We can do that. That's also, that's also junk food. We, we've got the answers. We don't need God's answers or anybody else's. That's what we all want. You know, I know for myself, I've read through the Bible many times and studied the Bible with people and preached about God and all those things. But I reach for the happy meal, not the happiest meal. Just yesterday when we're tubing with Ephraim and all these guys, it was such a great time. But just yesterday, Phil had promised that we were going to have a three-hour tour. It sounded like a TV show that I used to watch. And it was a great time on our three-hour tour. We, we had driven down from Syracuse Friday night. And uh, we had dinner with Phil and Leslie Friday evening, and we woke up at 6 in the morning on Saturday to go down and to go tubing. It was an amazing time with this three-hour tour. I, I think my tube might have said SS Minnow on the side of it. <laughs> and for Phil and Leslie, I think it was a three-hour tour because they ducked out somewhere in the middle, and I didn't see them. 
You didn't tell me that, brother. I, I had all the supplies I needed for three hours. We had water and sunscreen and some little snacky things. But as we got into hour number five, and, and the sun was, it was making strange burns on my body, like, you know when you're in a tube and you're like, I've dressed and got sunscreen, but I had weird burns here and like one on my shin somewhere. And about that time, I was starting to struggle just a little bit with my patience and with my thoughtfulness. And then I saw that the end was near and I told my kids, I said, boy, I said, Juan Mario, let's get out of our tubes and let's go over to the shallow part and just walk a little bit quicker over to the end so we can get up out of here. And and end the good times. You know, there's a time when the good times. It's time to end the good times. And my youngest son, Mario, flips over his tube, and a gust of wind comes. And there goes this tube that we just bought. It's shooting that way. And here's Mario in the river. And I am not a very good swimmer. My son, Mario, is a good swimmer. But I'm not a very good swimmer. And so I'm looking at Mario, and I'm looking at the tube. And I said, Mario, why did you do that? That was a stupid thing to do. It tasted so good for me to let that out right there because of my anxiety and my fear and my stress and my selfishness to tell him he had done this stupid thing. And I looked at him and I knew right then that was not a hunger or thirst for God's righteousness. I wasn't able to express my fear or my anxiety. I didn't run to him and say, you just stay there. I'm going to come right to you. I just reached right for the junk food because times were hard and I was stressed and it was difficult. And so I reached out for the first thing I had. And for me, that was frustration and anger. And so in the car on the way home, I said, son, can we talk about what happened? I said, I am so sorry I overreacted. Let me let me tell you what I was thinking. I told him about my anxiety. You know, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm always scared if I can't save you. I can't even save myself. <laughs> I'll be holding on to the tube. And so when I yelled at you, when I shouted at you, that was wrong. And I wasn't even angry with you. I was afraid, and I was scared. I need you to be more cautious and more careful. I need you to know me. But I was wrong. And he said, Daddy, I forgive you. You know, in our diet, we'll reach for junk food. But it is so important to know what the right food is and to hunger and thirst for it and to just want that. Brothers and sisters, desire the right food. God has the happiest meal waiting for us. Amen? The happiest meal. You know, what do you hunger and thirst for? Maybe maybe your junk food is not fear or anxiety. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's greed, or or maybe it's impurity, or maybe, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe that's the easiest thing for you. Do you go to that very quickly, or do you hunger and thirst for God? Is your soul gnawing on your backbone for some of the righteousness of God in your life? Will you make any change that it takes to get to God? God, I just want to be with you. When can I go and be with God? When can I go and be like God? When can I be more like God? When can I have God's righteousness in my life? If you don't know how to get there or how you got where you are, I encourage you. 
Go back online and listen to Phil's message about poverty of the spirit. Go back online and listen to Roland's message about mourning and get there. Go back online and listen to Phil's message about meekness and get there. Because if we want to really hunger and desire the right foods, we got to do the prerequisites first and understand where we really are. Where we really are. Our souls can never have what we are meant to have unless we're desiring the right foods, enjoying the happiest meal. You know, point number two, the rewards are amazing. Unlike, I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong, but unlike those ratchet transformers in my 80s Happy Meal, the happiest meal comes with rewards and not prizes. Rewards. The rewards are amazing. You know, when you look at Matthew chapter 5, and verse 6, there's two promises there. I think it's incredible. When you look at the Beatitudes, there's actually always two promises. The first one is always blessed are. Blessed are those. So the first thing you know when you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness is that you are going to be blessed. Some translations say happiness, but not happy that's, oh, all my circumstances are all right, so now I can smile. It's a happiness that comes for God. It's self-containing, self-fulfilling because it comes from God. First of all, you know if you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, you are going to be happy right now, not later. You will never go wrong hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness. Secondly, in Matthew 5, 6, the Bible says that you will be satisfied. So not only are you going to be happy right now, but going forward, you're going to be satisfied. In your entire life, there's no way you'll be wrong. God will always fill you up when you hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Does anyone in here not desire to be, like, I do not want to be happy. Does anyone here think, I do not want to be fulfilled. I just want to be searching for all the best things the rest of my life. I don't want to know what the best thing is. I want to keep searching for the best job, the next job, the next place to live, the best relationship, the best friendships. I I don't want to be satisfied in my life. I just want to keep looking for something else. Don't we all want to be happy and fulfilled right now? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says, when you desire the right foods, you'll be happy right now. And you'll be satisfied, you'll be fulfilled right now and later on as well. You never go wrong with the happiest meal, with hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness. Um, you know, when, when hunger and thirst for God really starts taking hold in our hearts, he gives us these two rewards right away. It doesn't come with these cheap little prizes like my Transformers. You know, when I look back at the Transformer prizes... They only, like, moved two things. It wasn't, like, the really nice ones. Like, every, all, almost the fingers transformed into something different. But it's, like, one thing moved up here, and it was really sad. God's rewards are nothing like those sad little prizes. Nothing like it. I, I have no idea where those 80s transformers are. But I know that when I hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, I'm happy and fulfilled. My marriage is great. The Beatitudes is so full of these double rewards, and they are indescribably better than anything that you're looking for right now. The problem is we settle for the prizes that this world offers. God wants us to to give us these amazing rewards, and we settle for the little plastic transformers and our little plastic Happy Meal. 
we want to have the better job and we want to retire at a certain age. We want to have this much money in our bank account and we want to have our marriage do this. We want to go on this vacation. We want to do all of these types of things that the world says are important or even the other people in the church say that are important. When we should be hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness first and foremost in our lives. Jesus actually talks about this. He talks about the folly of hungering and thirsting after junk food and the prize in this world. In Luke chapter 12, as we close up, Luke chapter 12, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Oh my gosh. Man, if you got family and someone and a, and a parent passes away and there's not a will, and family gets ugly over money. Family gets ugly over money. Jesus is looking at it. He says, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? And then Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. So not just money, any kind of material thing you're looking for. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty. I always like that part. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. If you're not a disciple of Jesus yet, let me encourage you not to settle for what you see. Don't settle for what you see in this world. Don't settle for what's not been filling you up already. Choose the happiest meal. Desire the right foods, God's righteousness, and then enjoy God's rewards, happiness, and complete fulfillment. If you are a disciple of Jesus and you've kind of been nibbling on the wrong foods, You're not as sold out for God's righteousness in every part of your life as you ever have been. I want to encourage you to remember how poor you are. You know, it's something as Christians, we need to be fully convinced of our salvation, and yet we need to be always working it out with fear and trembling before God. Mourn your spiritual poverty. Become a meek freak. Now let me encourage you to get back to desiring the right foods. Change your diet. Change what you read, what you listen to, what you look at, what you think about, what you do every day in your life. Because God has an incredible reward for you in his, the happiest meal. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website at hvregion.com.